Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Sinful Ways, written by Temple Carver. An odd inheritance is life-changing for Rebecca. There were many things Rebecca Schuyler thought she'd experience in her lifetime. Inheriting a brothel wasn't one of them. Now this media specialist turned madam must navigate the unfamiliar to her pay-for-play landscape. Toss in a darkly sexy, mysterious land developer who happens to be her new neighbor and her world thoroughly turns upside down. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Sinful Ways. 1. Excuse me? We've inherited a what? A brothel, Miss Schuyler. From our mothers? That's correct, Miss Kemp. Rebecca Schuyler and Jocasta Kemp passed a look between them that carried just over five seconds of silence. Such a thing was commonplace for two women who had known each other since the crib. My mother was a records keeper. Rebecca, Beck, said to the man across the table. And mine was a paralegal. Jocasta followed. They couldn't have afforded a glass of water in this place, let alone a meal on their salaries. Amen. Beck surveyed the restaurant where they dined that afternoon. After monthly expenses, she and Jocasta couldn't have splurged there even if they'd pooled both their bi-weekly paychecks. Damien Lyle nodded, appearing as though he fully understood the bewilderment of the young women he met with. Your mothers used their jobs to supplement the brothel. He looked to Jocasta. Jasmine used her paralegal work at the law practice to build the brothel's client book. He smiled at Jocasta's outraged expression before he addressed Beck. Your mother Annabeth used her records job at the hospital to run everything from background checks to medical histories. There was another bout of mile-long looks and unspoken chatter. Not all of it was about the unexpected inheritance. It was a blow for Beck and Jocasta to hear their mother's names so casually spoken, as if they were just around the corner getting takeout instead of six feet under. A month had passed since Annabeth Schuyler and Jasmine Kemp had been killed in a head-on collision with an 18-wheeler. Both women had been memorialized during closed-casket ceremonies. Barely tethered patients gripped Beck's greeting. Mr. Lyle, Joe and I barely scraped together enough to make tuition for degrees that got us jobs barely making minimum wage. You expect us to believe our moms would let us struggle that way if they were two high-powered madams? Was there ever a time you called for money and it wasn't provided? Lyle's demeanor was still maddeningly cool. We didn't ask often, Jocasta countered. They couldn't have afforded it if we had, Beck added. And that's what they needed you to think. This is bullshit, Jocasta said to Lyle's explanation. Pushing back from the table, she began to pace as was her habit when she was stressed. Her outraged stalk around the floor was no problem, as the calmly collected Damien Lyle had secured a private dining room for the meeting. Jocasta's wavy dark braid bumped the middle of her back as she moved. Beck didn't require pacing. The only hint of stress she portrayed was to simply recline in her chair and obsessively rake her nails across loosely curled honey-blonde locks that were tamed into the low ponytail that was her go-to style. What is it you want from us, Mr. Lyle? Jocasta didn't halt her pacing as she posed the question. I want you both to take your mother's places, Lyle said. There are lots of confused and edgy ladies wondering about their futures right now. The third long look to pass between Beck and Jocasta ended on a wave of hysterical laughter. Mr. Lyle, 
Beck thumbed a tear from her eye. In case you didn't know, Joe and I work for a nice little private school here in San Francisco. I don't think we got what it takes to make the leap from media specialist to madams. Lyle nodded and reached inside the pocket of his elegant dark suit. He withdrew two plastic card keys. These will allow you to access your mother's apartments and private offices, he said. Stop by, spend the night, take a look around, and call to let me know how you'd like to proceed, he stood. The dining room is reserved until the end of the day. Order whatever else you'd like and enjoy yourselves. Then, go and see what your mothers really did for a living. Are you believing this? Are you kidding me? Beck's response to her best friend was a monotone whisper. My brain hasn't functioned right since Lyle told us we inherited a whorehouse. Damn right, Jocasta noted. Her voice was slightly above a whisper but held the same monotone. Say, maybe we've had enough for one day. Should we come back and check the place out tomorrow instead? No good. I'm on AMPM parking lot duty tomorrow. All I'll want after that is to pour myself into bed. Beck and Jocasta had made silent decisions to postpone the family leave they were due in light of their mother's deaths. Taking the time off to grieve made the loss seem real in a way they weren't ready to face. All right then, today it is. Jocasta sent up one more look through the windshield. Outside, tall and sleek, was the silver scraper where Annabeth Schuyler and Jasmine Kemp had supposedly resided. Let's go on and get this over with then, she said. Damn right. Resolved, Beck pushed open the passenger side door to Jocasta Civic. They didn't both race for the building. It took a few more minutes, many more, actually, before they advanced. The construction shrieked money and status with all the sleek subtlety reserved for the kind of wealth that didn't have to boast about it. Jocasta shut the driver's side door with a decisive flare. Guess it's time for us to act like we belong here. What do you think? Kyron Neal's vivid blue-green stare narrowed as he sent a slicing look toward the man who had spoken. Across the room, Hudson Weaver raised one plate-sized palm in a gesture of surrender. Don't shoot the messenger, all right? The guys asked me to bring you by and get your thoughts. Kyron's rakish grin made his striking features seem even more fierce in the wake of the frigid look he'd fixed on his oldest friend. They asked you to bring me by, huh? He winced at the sound of his voice booming off the bare walls of the penthouse apartment. Hudson offered his customary lopsided smile. Guess they figured you wouldn't hurt me too bad considering we go back to the sandbox and all. The massive man gave a hopeful look that roused Kai's hearty laughter in a span of a heartbeat. It eased off way too soon as he took another look around the as-yet-to-be-occupied Lux apartment. You really think all this is necessary? He asked Hudson. We're trying to move away from nefarious activities, not dive into new ones, remember? Hudson walked the length of a far wall in the living room. Maybe you could look at it as a contingency. Insurance. Insurance. Come on, Kai. Even in our new roles as legit businessmen, there's still the possibility of the client who requests that specialized brand of schmoozing and private place to do it in. Kai went to stare out over early evening San Francisco skies that were just beginning to glow with city light. While one hand brushed his cleft chin, the other rested along the wall that featured floor-to-ceiling windows. I'm not keen on that type of schmoozing, Hud but you don't have to be. Hudson rolled his eyes over the dry look he received. Guy, we get it, all right? You don't have to be party to anything that might go on here, but we wouldn't have felt right keeping you out of the loop. Appreciate it. So, what do you think? 
Enviably, long lashes settled over Chiron's deep-set eyes. I'm clearly outvoted. The hint of outraged laughter underscored the observation. Not this time, friend. Hudson shook his head and sent a slew of uncommon reddish-gold dreads stirring around an unforgettable copper-toned face. Either we're all in or none of us are, he said. Chiron rested against the wall then, arms folding across a chest that was more leanly powerful than massive, and yet just as formidable. How long did you have to talk to get the rest of them to go along with that? He asked. Cavernous laughter erupted from Hud's throat. Till I was as red in the face as I am in the hair, he bellowed. So you know I was doing some serious chatterboxing. Chiron enjoyed a few moments of quiet laughter at the other man's expense. Tell him it's a go, he said. Now hold on. Hudson raised his hand in another staying gesture. I only brought you here to see the place. You can take your time on the decision, you know? I'm good with it. Decision's made. Yeah? Hudson didn't look convinced in any way. At least give the place a real look first. Jesus. Chiron muttered, but left the room to do as he was asked. The apartment was a stunner. There was no doubting that. Any client they took there to schmooze would surely be ready to sign any dotted line. After time well spent in such plush surroundings, the tour took Chiron from the living room to the balcony, which added to the stunning quotient in the way it wrapped around the lofty dwelling. There were two such apartments on each floor of the scraper. Although the spreads came with private elevators, they were also connected by the long interior corridor. Additional exits were offered by way of the main elevator and stairwell. Chiron hoped that the reasons his friends-slash-partners thought they needed the space might fade into nothing. Then they might get better use out of the extravagant investment. His stroll around the balcony dead-ended at the double doors leading into the master bedroom suite. All in all, not a bad place, he decided. Glancing across the way at the opposite unit, he was struck by the idea of asking whether the current owners might be willing to sell. Given the activities about to be in session, it couldn't hurt to have full control of the floor. With that plan simmering, Chiron turned to make his way back in through the bedroom. He froze, and his radiant blue-greens narrowed for the second time that evening. At first, it was the faint glimpse of Honey Blonde Ponytail. The image had captured his attention through the tinted glass of the opposing unit and had him thinking he was seeing things. Well, he was, but not some imaginary figment, he was sure. He waited, smiling when the owner of the ponytail emerged. Her laughter hit his ears as she stepped out onto the balcony. He looked to see if anybody, any male body, would join her. Quickly, he lost interest in doing anything except observing her. When she loosened the ponytail and let the wind capture the dewy waves that almost hit her ass, he snapped too, realizing he was ogling the woman like an idiot. He heard Hudson calling to him then and cheered the interruption. Hudson was leaning on the bedroom doorframe when his friend stepped in from the balcony. So, your answer still yes? Hudson prompted. Chiron risked another look toward the twin balcony toward the statuesque vision still enjoying the wind and scenery. Yes, vision was the right term. His fingers actually tingled with a desire to touch. He had to make a fist to quell the urge. It's still yes. He said mostly for his own benefit. Yes. This place would do just fine. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Sinful Ways. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.